and I know so much more than yoga. Everyone knows so much more than what they're labeled as. And it's just that, you know, pushing through and persevering, even when people really try to put a lid on top of your box. everyone. Welcome back to episode 86 of That's So Maven and the first episode of 2019. It's crazy to think that we're going into the third year of the podcast and just the diversity of the guests that have been on the show and today's episode is no exception. But before I get into our guest today, I do want to chat a little bit about my holiday break and what's been going on in my life. So last I left you, I shared what happened in 2018, and it was definitely a year that was not short on excitement, both positive things and a couple negative things, but I'm learning to really embrace those things that are quote-unquote negative because they really teach us a lot about ourselves. And as I mentioned in the solo episode, every year I do a year-end reflection journal, and then I also set my intentions for 2019. And I decided that for my year-end reflection, I was going to focus on the really positive things. And it was really nice to sit down and just think about those big monumental moments, but also those smaller ones that I really, really did enjoy and embrace. And I feel really grateful for 2018 and everything that I've learned about myself and also set up for 2019 and very excited about the year ahead. And I know I had mentioned in the last episode that there were going to be some changes. I don't think you're going to notice any changes here on the show other than a few tweaks here and there just to make things easier for you guys, easier to find information about previous podcast guests and and just ways to categorize things because that's what I found is that because the show is so diverse and we talk about so many different topics, not every episode relates to everybody who's listening and they want to focus on the ones that they do find interesting and maybe go back to the ones that don't speak to them right then but maybe will speak to them in the future. And so we're making it easier for you guys to find episodes that are interesting to you and skip over the ones that maybe aren't so interesting to you and maybe you'll go back to them at some point or maybe you won't, which is totally fine. And, you know, I took a couple weeks off. Obviously, I took two weeks off here on the show. I also took a few weeks off from the blog and all social media, which was really, really nice. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, it was challenging at times because I think, you know, we all kind of turn to social media when we're maybe feeling a bit of disconnection or even as a form of escapism. And for me, I wasn't short on connection. I was with Kurt's family almost the entire time. And sometimes I kind of felt like I wanted to escape into the world of social media, which I think is totally fine as long as you have a good perspective on that. And You know, there were moments when I'd reach for my phone and realize that wasn't something that I could do. But for the most part, I actually didn't find myself really craving it. It was more just like the connection to you guys and the conversations that I have on, you know, on Instagram stories and the DMs that I get from you guys and the THM tribe and stuff like that. You know, I really, really do value those those connections that I have with you guys and the communication that we have. And I definitely found myself missing that. Also, I really missed being able to follow dog accounts on Instagram. I know that sounds totally crazy, but I basically have a personal account where I just follow dogs because it just brings me so much joy. And I'm telling you this because why not? (laughs) And also because I've decided that going into 2019, I am just, I'm going to be myself and all of my quirks and embrace kind of my shadow self and, and the parts that maybe we're more embarrassed about or the things that we're kind of ashamed about. And one of those things is how obsessed I am with dogs and it's kind of next level. But for me, following dog accounts and just being a part of that world really brings me a lot of joy. And on days that might be more challenging or where I'm struggling with things, anxiety or depression, it's really nice to have that. And while I love my dog and he is my emotional support animal, sometimes he's like not that interested in me, which is totally fine. And so that's when I turn to social media and following these accounts. So yeah, I'm putting it out there. I have a feeling I'm not alone in this. So I definitely miss that. But for the most part, it really was nice to disconnect from technology and social media. And I know some of you guys decided to 
take a technology detox as well. I don't really know if detox is the right word. It's just an easy thing for people to understand. So if you did, I'd love to hear from you. So just comment in the tribe if it's something that you tried out for yourself and what your experience was like with that. Well, I have definitely gone off for a couple of days. I've never done two weeks of just like cold turkey. So it felt really good. And it really opened up a lot of space in my brain to think about other things, things that I want in my personal life, things that I want in my professional life. I found myself with more time to do things like watercoloring and hand lettering and stuff that I really enjoy doing just, you know, for fun as a hobby and really want to keep up. But also thinking about the Healthy Maven and how things have evolved over the last six years and where I want to implement some change, which totally relates to today's episode. And I know I kind of freak some of you guys out in the Zolo episode talking about change. And like I said, you're not going to see that much change around here, but there is going to be some change in other areas. And one of the biggest places for that is the blog. And for the last six years, I have consistently posted. And, you know, when I first started, I was posting six days a week. And every year it's kind of become a little bit less. But for the last couple of years, I've done three posts a week, one of them being a podcast post and two of them being other types of content, whether it be, you know, lifestyle content or just writing from my heart or recipes. And well, I definitely love all of that stuff. I've just felt so much pressure to fulfill this schedule. And I feel like I've neglected neglected the thousand posts that I already have on the blog that could just be made so much better. And it's not that the content isn't already great. A lot of it is. But, you know, stuff that I wrote in 2014 or 2015 that could use some updating, I haven't been able to get around to because I've been so focused on creating new stuff. And that's not to say, again, that any of it is wrong. But being able to go back in and add more information to make it more useful for you guys or maybe update the pictures or, you know, just make small tweaks here and there because we all know more now. I know more now. I've changed. My perspective has changed. And it's not that I, you know, want to erase the past in any way. There are like hundreds of posts written about my weekend recaps and adventures that I've done with Kurt that, trust me, are not like quality blog content, but they're part of my story and they will stay there. And I'm totally okay with that. I want the Healthy Maven to tell that journey, but I also want to make sure that some of the stuff that isn't necessarily super personal can be more relevant to 2019. So I'm just going to be focusing more on making sure that what's up there is easy for you guys to find, that all the information is there. And rather than putting out so much new content all the time, which can just be overwhelming for me and for you guys, I'm just going to be focused more on that. And The other big piece of it is just feeling like, as I mentioned in the solo episode, that sometimes I'm a walking advertisement and it's been difficult to kind of be a part of this world as it gets bigger and bigger. And while it's definitely exciting to be a part of it and I don't take it for granted, it can be really challenging trying to manage these brand relationships and figure out how to have my voice and make brands happy and make you guys happy and It's just, it's a tricky thing and I would love, you know, one day to not have to worry about any of that and, you know, I love the brands that I work with, people like Imperfect Produce and Stonyfield and Earthbound Farms, these companies that are built with integrity and have awesome teams and it's very collaborative. I love working with brands like that but there are times when that isn't necessarily something that I have a lot of control over or, you know, it seems like they're that way and then suddenly you're like a couple months down the line and it's like, whoa, what is happening here? As I'm sure you discovered in the episode that I recorded with my operations manager, Tanya, You know, it isn't as simple as it seems. And so just trying to figure out a model that's more sustainable for me and for my team and that just isn't so overwhelming because it's it can be challenging. And I'm just being totally transparent with you guys. That's not to say that, you know, sponsor content is, you know, going anywhere. It's still going to be a thing here on the podcast. It's definitely going to be a thing. But I know you guys know that I only talk about the brands that I absolutely love and that I use. You hear about them, Imperfect Produce and Kettle and Fire and Butcher Box. These are all companies that I use, that I order from, that I pay with my own money. And I love being able to support them, encourage you guys to try out stuff like this because I think it's really great. So The sponsor content here on the podcast feels really natural for me, but sometimes on the blog it can feel a little overwhelming. So 
kind of trying to figure out a balance between everything. So there will be some changes in that area. And the other thing is really just feeling like I can be myself. I feel like there's so much pressure to, you know, put on a show. And there's also so much pressure to share everything. And that doesn't feel natural to me. It might have felt more natural to me a couple of years ago, but it doesn't feel that natural to me anymore. And so I just want to be unabashedly myself. And when I feel compelled to share, I'll share. And when I don't, knowing that that's totally okay. And that's been hard for me is feeling this pressure to constantly be sharing more and opening up more. And I just feel like there's so many platforms right now to be doing that. And right now it's just... It's too much for me and that's okay, even if that looks different for somebody else because there are people who feel a lot more comfortable sharing every minute of their day on Instagram stories and that's totally fine. I'm not going to pass judgment if that feels authentic for them. It just doesn't feel authentic for me and I feel like I can really express myself here on the podcast and at times on the blog and at times on social media, but just knowing that on days when I just don't want to, that's okay. And on days when I want to share everything, that's okay too. I don't need to be consistent. And as a recovering perfectionist, consistency is something that I hold on to for dear life. It's why I've had a a three blog post schedule for the last couple of years and before that a six blog post schedule because I like consistency. I like routine. It feels good. But it's important to step out of your routine and to get a little uncomfortable with change and try out new things because sometimes we just get stuck in a rut and we start doing things over and over even when they're not serving us. And, you know, this totally ties to today's episode, which is why I'm starting the year off with Catherine Budig, who is a renowned yoga instructor. That's, you know, what she's built a lot of her audience on. But she herself is going through a lot of changes in her personal life and in her professional life and is learning to evolve with that and embrace herself as she changes. And change is difficult. It's difficult to embrace, you know, internally. It's also difficult for other people around you to embrace. I know, you know, when I decided to quit my full-time job and become a blogger, people thought I was totally crazy. And it was hard for other people to understand that I am not the same person that they thought I was, that I've changed, that my passions have changed. And it happens all the time. And I love seeing people around me change and evolve. I think it's really cool. But I know for other people who maybe feel a bit more stagnant in their life and they see other people make these wacky transitions and it's like, wait, 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 what is going on here? And until they come face to face with their own transition, it can seem really overwhelming. So Today, we're chatting all about change, and I think it's really relevant as we start off a new year, as we set our intentions or your goals or whatever you want to call them or whatever feels good for you to know that it's okay to change and that it is challenging, but it is the the growth that happens from that change that is so worthwhile and is really what life is all about because there's nothing worse in life than being stagnant. So hopefully this episode can inspire some change in your life or at least help you warm up to the idea of change and that it just might happen this year. So a perfect episode to kick off our 2019 and I think it's about time we just jump right into it. So here's today's guest. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. I'm so happy to have you here today. I am truly inspired by your journey. You're someone who I have admired for a really long time and also inspired me to move forward with my own yoga teacher training. So it's really cool to be chatting with you today. Amazing. And congratulations. I love hearing that. Thank you. So before we kind of jump into all of these questions that I have for you, I'd love to hear a bit more about your journey and how you kind of got started on this path. Yeah, the, the yoga path, you mean specifically. Yeah, um, or just, you know, life in general, whatever you want to focus on. There, there's so many different paths, I it know. seems like, these days. Well, the yoga path was, I, I discovered yoga when I was a student at the University of Virginia, and it was introduced to me. I was doing a bunch of theater and musical theater, and one of my dance friends took me to a yoga class. And uh, I really knew very little about it, except for when I would read my glossy magazines, that's what the actresses would do to stay in shape. They practiced yoga. So I, I tried it and there were a few classes that I really didn't like. And then I found an amazing teacher and I started practicing with her once a week and then twice a week. 
And that led me once I graduated to Los Angeles because I wanted to continue pursuing my acting. And it was also one of the meccas for yoga. So I trained under Chuck Miller and Matias Rati, which were the two co-founders of Yoga Works in Los Angeles. And that became my home. And next thing you know, I'm teaching a ton of yoga. I realized Hollywood was not my cup of tea. And fast forward almost 15 years later, here I am feeling very different than what I felt like when I first moved to Los Angeles as a little baby bunny. And yeah, there's been a lot of twists and turns and continue to uh, hopefully be that way because it's a constant evolution. Yeah. Well, I think something that really resonates with me is both the the fact that like your own personal yoga journey has shifted so much. And I think that's pretty consistent across everyone is that maybe they started yoga for one reason and then they continued with it for another and then it shifted for another. And then also just like yoga in general and how we've embraced it in the Western world and really just yoga and all of its facets. Like I think there was, like you were talking about, there was sort of this like, oh, let's do yoga to stay in shape. And then there was like, oh, Lululemon, you know, created a workout wear for people who want to do yoga. And now, you know, we're hearing so much more about all the different types of yoga that are available. And it's not just about, you know, using yoga as a means to exercise, but really as a way to connect with yourself spiritually or emotionally. And, you know, we're learning about Kundalini and the difference between Hatha and Vinyasa. And these were things that like people didn't really know a whole lot about. And you've really been able to be a part of yoga in the Western world as it's shifted. How has that felt for you? Um, well, I, I think it's interesting because obviously evolution is such a natural occurrence for any human, if you, especially if you stick to something long enough. My teacher, for example, Mati Azradi, who's a, a senior Ashtanga teacher, she was when she was teaching me, just very Ashtanga oriented, but she also brought a blend of the Iyengar approach to it. And now she's very into Vipassana and meditation and things that once upon a time I never would have thought would have been Mati. It wasn't what defined her at that moment. And I think a lot of this we have to do with the fact that yoga teachers didn't used to get A, media attention, and then B, social media attention. So all of a sudden you know, it's kind of thrust into the limelight. And so I, I have often struggled with people wanting me to stay the same, you know, wanting me to continue offering what I offered maybe eight years ago, because that's what made them fall in love with me. And, and they'll get frustrated if it's like, oh, you're not teaching ABC, and I want you to teach ABC. But, you know, the path of the teacher and of the student is you have to stay honest with what is exciting for you and what feels like it's the proper vehicle to transport your message and that's going to make it accessible. So it's been a really interesting ride for me because I think I, I sometimes feel like I change more than the average person changes. And I just try to be really honest with myself about uh, like how can I show up as a teacher and be honest? Because if I continue to teach something that I think people want from me as opposed to what I know I have to offer, uh, you know, I'm not going to be successful if I just sit in this. I know this is what people want. It has to be something that I want to share. So that's been a really painful and amazing experience all bundled up together. And it, it's just new and weird, too, because, you know, when I first started teaching, I didn't have the opinions of others breathing down my neck on a regular basis. I just had the students who were coming to my class and we got to evolve together as teacher and students, you know, we would grow and I would adjust and they would adjust. And, and now it's not just reacting to who shows up in my room. It's reacting to people on a social media format. So that's, it's, it's interesting. It's yeah. not, not good or bad. It's just interesting. <laughs> yes. I have a yoga teacher who says it's not bad or hard. It's just new. And that to me, I mean, everything you just said resonates so hard with me to a point where I'm sort of like, I want to scratch all my millions of questions for you and focus a lot on this, like this evolution, because it's something that yeah. I'm personally experiencing a lot. And I think anyone who has some kind of anyone who's anyone, period, but also anyone with any kind of like social following or community, you know, you do feel this pressure from people around you to to be what they expect from you, but no one is one dimensional. No one, you know, picks something that they're passionate about. And then like that, I mean, I'm sure there mm -hmm. are people who just do that for the rest of their lives. And 
that's amazing, but most people evolve and change and shift. And it's it's uncomfortable both because, you know, you're you're discovering new things and there's this expectation of people around you, but also something that I found for me is sort of this like owning of identity. I think a lot of it can be imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I'm moving into the space where I'm teaching yoga now and that's something that I'm really excited about, but I'm also evolving and learning. And yet like there's an expectation that I provide, you know, a certain type of content and here I am being like, but I want to teach yoga. Will anyone believe me? And so have you had moments like throughout your journey or as you've continued to shift and evolve where you've been like, someone's going to figure me out here. (laughs) I think every single human struggles with imposter syndrome to a certain extent. And that's definitely something, especially as I evolve, that I struggle with because, you know, someone will say, oh, you know, Catherine Budig, expert yoga teacher. And I'll just have moments of like, I don't feel like an expert at all. It's something that obviously I have spent years and years of study and practice and action and travel and teaching in this realm. So yes, I am an expert, but at the same time, you know, where my interests lie currently in my life, it does feel conflicting because I don't eat, breathe, drink, think yoga all the time, like I used to. And that doesn't mean that it isn't impactful. That doesn't mean that I still have all of that experience underneath my belt, which I know how to transcribe to my students in a way that I think is useful, but it's making peace with the fact that it may not look the way that people expect it to, or they want it to be. And I think that comes back to this whole thing where any person as they evolve or are going through this place of change, you know, back in the day, it's hard enough to change just being around your peers and your friends and your family, because, you know, how are they going to accept or reject that change in you? How are they going to support you? And then the next level is this public persona, which pretty much everyone has this day, this alter ego, which is your social media page. And then you have you know, the expectations of others coming from people that potentially you've never even met before. And if you look at the most successful businesses online and these social media platforms, they are very structured. They are very one note. You know exactly what you're going to get when you show up to these pages and they're curated because that's what gets likes. That's what gets hits. And then we fall into this trap of Do I continue to be something that people want because that means success? Or do I continue to evolve into what I want to be, even if that means I'm leaving a large percentage of people behind because they expect something else of me? And I I do think that give it a couple more generations, people are going to get much better at evolving without caring because you'll get to the other side and realize there is a new chapter there. You just have to kind of, you know, shed that layer and leave the skin behind and then realize that that's going to be a new venture. But that transition phase, it's brutal. It's a land without answers and it's often very lonely and scary there. Totally. I mean, that that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. And I've actually found a lot of comfort in my yoga practice and helping me kind of navigate that in my personal practice, just because it helps me tap into my intuition and know that like this journey that I'm on is mine and mine alone and does not depend on how other people react to it or how they respond to it. And, you know, something for me that I found challenging and, and, you know, why I turn to my own personal yoga practice is when I'm teaching or whether I'm in a position where, you know, people are treating me as an expert, you know, I am in that mode. And then when I'm not in that mode and when I'm kind of in my personal life, things shift for me and not that I'm a different person, but just that, like, I'm not as serious and I'm not as... Mm -hmm inspirational. And I'm curious, like, is that something that you've been through and had to kind of work your way through? Because I'm not like an enlightened guru, <laughs> you know, <laughs> through everything that I do. And yet I've, I've struggled at times with feeling like that is kind of the expectation that people would have that I'm like all the time. I, I just feel like what students want from their teachers are relatability. I don't really think students want this all-knowing guru who just has all the answers. I think they want a human to human eye to eye experience, which makes them feel like they're not crazy. You know, I I've never been drawn towards someone who appears to have their shit together and uh, just knows everything because it's not real. And if someone is projecting that persona, I think they're a fraud. You know, it's just, I don't, that's not comforting to me. And so I, I just take solace in that as a teacher where 
I don't think my students expect me to show up and be perfect. I don't, that that's just not an appealing quality <laughs> in people. So, you know, I do try to show up obviously with my knowledge and, and give them the support system that they need to grow in hopes that I can answer questions that they want answered. But I'm certainly not the person who's going to have all the answers for them. And if I don't know how to, how to answer something, I'll be very upfront about it. I'll, you know, ranging from, I don't anatomically know what's happening in your body, so I can't answer that for you, but here are some suggestions to maybe it's more esoteric and a question where they're going through an emotional experience and I can give them advice, but I'm certainly, you know, I can't touch them and heal them and make it all magic and go away. So I think for any teacher or in person in power listening to that is be relatable and be human. I mean, it just, that goes so much further than trying to pretend because it is pretending that you know everything and that you are 100% in the seat of power. Totally. And I think that's what, you know, has inspired me to follow your journey is that you are so human and that you're someone who is both relatable, but also inspiring at the same time. And I think part of what makes you inspiring is the fact that you're relatable. So <laughs> it's really, it's really nice to hear that. So one thing that I absolutely loved was a couple of years ago when you came out with Aim True, what kind of inspired you to write the book? And did you feel like there was something missing in the yoga space, which is, you know, played into you wanting to publish it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I even saw it in the yoga space, honestly. It was just aim true was a philosophy that I philosophy. I mean, it was something that I developed for myself. And it was inspired by the Greek goddess Artemis. And I found this prayer that was written to her when I was going through just kind of a emotionally tumultuous part of my life. And I started using that prayer on a regular basis. And so much creativity and strength and awareness bubbled up from that place for me. And as I saw, as I started reaping the benefits from that creativity and that dedication as a teacher, I started to wonder, okay, well, if this is working so much for me, how is this something that I can develop into content for my students in hopes that perhaps it'll do the same. And it was definitely a big shift in my teaching because it had nothing to do with asana. It wasn't typical, traditional yoga teaching. This was really moving deeper into how do you live your life? And then how, as a teacher, as a creative, can I translate this into an asana practice that gives them the same kind of feeling? So that was a big challenge for me. And I started creating workshops or all-day intensives that would revolve around this concept of Aim True. So it would be part talk, part workshopping, part, you know, conversational workshop uh, journal style. And the book was really this accumulation of everything. It's not a yoga book. There are some yoga poses in it, but it's half cookbook. It's half, you know, how do you learn to meditate and clean your mind? Like, how do you use these asana postures as a way to access actual experiences that are happening in your life and to address them properly? What is it like to build community? It's just kind of, it turned into more of a life guidebook than a yoga book. And I was actually just flipping through it yesterday because it's really, I'm very, very proud of this book. It was published almost two or three years ago now. And, and it's just refreshing to flip through something and not think, Ooh, I would have done that differently. Or I, I should have said that differently. I still really stand by what I created in this book, but this was a prime example of what it's like to evolve and how scary that is because people expect just my first book was all asana. It was the big book of yoga. It's about yoga. And then this book was partially about yoga. You know, everything was influenced in part by yoga, but this was my life and, and how I see the, the lens that I see it through. And some people really dug that. And some people were like, what's this? I just want a yoga book from you. Stick to yoga. You know, it's like, stick to sports, stick to yoga, do what you know. And I know so much more than yoga. Everyone knows so much more than what they're labeled as. And it's just that, you know, pushing through and persevering, even when people really try to put a lid on top of your box. <laughs> totally. And people are not afraid to speak their mind either. <laughs> it can be oh, really no. difficult to hear like, you know, you didn't even ask for feedback and then they throw it in your face <laughs> and you're like, wait, 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 like I'm just trying to put my truth out here and you have people, you know, sharing their opinions when maybe they're, I mean, all opinions are welcome if given in a kind way, but they're not really given in a kind way. And then you're just like, well, 
you know, I'm just, I'm doing the best I can here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're definitely not always delivered kindly and as horrible as it is in the moment, like anyone who's going to come at you hot, there's so much baggage going on there. And there's so much personal angst and background and story. And it's very hard to remember that when someone's being mean to you, but you know, as much as possible, just taking a deep breath, stepping back and being like, what do I represent for them? Why am I, and maybe I'm shaking their foundation because they need what I represent to them so much. And if I'm not doing that for them, that feels like their foundation is crumbling. And, and then it's really exhausting because you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of someone else. And, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you you just got to take a step back. You got to take a step back. So what does yoga look like for you these days? Like your personal practice? Um, you know, uh, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I, it's a mix between home practice and then popping into the studios here. I'm not on this, you know, quest to do stronger asana these days, especially when I was in Ashtangi, I had a lot of physical projects that I was working on. And, and now the practice, I just like a well-rounded practice. I don't, I really don't practice a lot of challenge poses anymore. I just want to move my body. And I'm also, I've, I've had a lot of injury from doing the same thing over and over again. So I do a mix of like martial arts and spin classes and method classes and pure bar and yoga. And so yoga now is, it's really more meditative for me than it ever used to be. It used to be a workout. It used to be my tapas, my fire, like I'm going to burn, burn, burn. And now it's just, it's a movement that I know it's a place that I'm comfortable it's a practice that I can slip into where I feel like I get to kind of stretch it out and work things out of my system that are sticky throughout the week. So it's, it's really, it's become maintenance seems so vanilla, but it's, it's a way to maintain as much balance as possible. And I don't mean physically, but like balance within myself when I do this practice now. And it's really interesting. I was talking to my teacher the other day and I was telling her that since doing training, I feel like I'm more attracted to, you know, there are eight limbs of yoga with the physical asanas being one of them. And Mm -hmm. I find myself so much more attracted to all the other pieces of it. And while, Mm -hmm. yes, I definitely enjoy uh, a physical yoga practice every now and then, what I love and what I find myself wanting to teach are classes that are slower and you tap more into your breath and are meditative. And yet there is this expectation from people that yoga be some type of really challenging physical exercise. Have you found yourself like having to explain to other people? Because even like my question, what does your yoga practice look like now? Like to me, you are still practicing yoga every single day, whether or not you're doing a physical practice of yoga. But, you know, other people have a hard time understanding that. So how do you communicate that to other people? Oh, absolutely. I I felt that way for a long time, even when I was much more into the physical aspect of the practice, when certain teachers would say you have to do asana every day, that never made sense to me. Just because yoga is a way of living. It's not trikonasana into half moon. And that's a an emotion that I've always felt. And I don't understand this whole, like, you're not a proper yogi if you don't unroll your mat every day. I just think that's bullshit. I think that might be someone else's truth. And if that's the way that it serves you and yoga helps you by physically doing the poses every day, cool, that's your jam. You know, for a lot of people, yoga is meditating every day. And I will go as far as saying like, yeah, walking with my dogs, like that can be my yoga. It it can totally transform. And and then you see all these people suffering because they're like, I've lost my practice. I can't get back into it. I'm like, that is so normal. This is the ebb and flow. Like yoga isn't something that you do every single day the same way for the rest of your life. And yet we're somehow told that means you're good at it. That means you're dedicated. That means that like you are full on. And there's seasons. There's seasons to the world. There's seasons in our relationships. There's seasons in our body. There's just constant change. And I think the more accepting we become of the fact that like, hey, sometimes I'm going to be doing a lot of like really fiery asana and then maybe I take a month off. Like maybe I don't do a single yoga pose for a month and don't punish yourself. That doesn't mean that it's bad. You just need to listen to what is going on in your system. And I just, I don't feel that there's enough people, students and teachers speaking, giving people permission to experience what they need to experience. There's a lot of like, this is good, this is bad. And I just want people to know like, yeah, 
you need to take time off, you take time off. You just had a baby, like you had a baby. Congratulations. That's massive. Like, don't be (laughs) making yourself feel bad because you're not doing yoga. You know, it's just people need more space to be them. And I think that's the whole point of yoga. And yet it's turned into something else. So for me, yoga is you doing you whatever that looks like. Totally. And I think your advice pretty much applies to anything yoga or not is like you do you and you're going to have seasons in your life where you're more into something and other seasons where it's like the last thing on your list. And Mm -hmm. that is totally okay. Totally. So I do want to talk about some like daily practices that you have because I know you talk a lot about self-esteem and confidence and it's something that I really look to you for inspiration. (laughs) And besides yoga, like what are some of these practices that you incorporate? Maybe in your life currently, you know, as we discussed, (laughs) there are seasons. So in in this current season of your life, what are some practices that you're looking towards to help improve confidence and self-esteem? Yeah, you know, I actually was really lucky and I got to speak, um, I got to hear Eckhart Tolle speak recently. And you know, I mean, if you're a spiritual practitioner of any form, what he says is not necessarily new information, but like any amazing spiritual teacher or guide, they're very good at at reminding you of what matters and what you already know, but that you choose to ignore because we want to be in pain. (laughs) Um, And he just gave this really beautiful talk about what it means to be awake. Are you awake? Um, In a nutshell, I mean, it was an hour talk in a nutshell. What he was trying to get at is that the only thing that we know for sure is that we are conscious beings. And the thing that gets us in trouble is when we start to think. And the comedy of my next sentences that got me thinking, <laughs> but it, when am I overthinking? And it, it's truly when I overthink any situation, be it something I need to do for work or my physical body and how I feel about myself when I overthink, that's what causes me pain. And when I, you know, cast my projections of what the future looks like, that's what causes me pain. So the the daily work for me is just really as classic as it sounds is just being in the actual moment and, and being alive in it and being aware and being happy in it or being sad in it, just being and when it comes to my physical body, you know, I'm 36 years old, I'm strong, but I, my body is changing every single year of my life. You know, once upon a time I lived in Los Angeles and I did yoga seven days a week for two hours a day, maybe sometimes more. And my physical body, which I like to call my meat suit looked really different then. I also don't know exactly how happy I was. And then fast forward to being 36, I've been through a divorce. I've been through just a lot of really tumultuous times. You know, there's major health issues going on in in my family and my wife's family. And there's a, a lot of good and a lot of bad. And, and then if I take the time to like sit in the mirror and analyze the fact that you know, oh, my lower belly's a little poofy and this means that I'm a bad person if I have a pooch, which we all know what it's like to be neurotic about our bodies and you sit in that place. And again, like that's bullshit where it's like, I am strong. I am 36. I am evolving. I have an entire life beyond what it is to physically take care of my meat suit. And in those moments, I really focus on, can I physically do the things that I want to physically do? And if I'm at a point in my life where, yes, I can complete a class and feel strong, I can do like whatever, I want to be able to do X amount of push-ups or something like that. If I can physically do that and I look the way I look, then this must be the way I'm supposed to look. And goddamn, that's good. Mm-hmm. That looks real good. Yeah. And, I love that. You know, that. I just, I don't want to f- sit into this like idea that I have to be fat free and I have to be a flat stomach and you know, like my boobs are out of control. My boobs have been getting so big in the past couple of years. And like, I don't think that looks good, but I'm like, what am I going to do? They're my boobs. My boobs have a mind of their own. Am I going to just like punish myself because I don't look the way I want to look every day? Or am I going to be like, all right, I'm going to readjust my wardrobe a little bit and enjoy these little mamas that I've got happening here. You know, you just, you have to work with what your body's doing because there's a purpose behind it. And when we try to control it and shape it into this idea that we've been brainwashed with our entire life, like that causes suffering Mm -hmm. when you could just be happy and be like, this is an amazing little meat suit I've got going here and take that off of your worry list 
So like the things that are really worth worrying about, you can dive into that. Exactly. I mean, for me, I think back, you know, 10 years ago, my body looked completely different than it does now. Right. Yeah. But I was... I was pretty unhappy with my life, you know, and yeah. and at the time I wasn't even happy with my body. So, you know, you can play that game over and over and over again. I mean, are there people who get joy from their physical appearance? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are people who that is their truth and they genuinely love being able to, you know, work on their body in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that is fine. But like, if you are, like you said, causing yourself suffering in order to look a certain way, that really should be the last thing on your list. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I live to eat. I'm all about eating food. That brings me happiness. And I've realized, and, and don't get me wrong, like if I feel really skinny and I don't feel poochy, of course that makes me happy. I think everyone when they feel skinny is like, yay, I feel skinny. This is great. <laughs> but like, what did I do to get there? in this phase of my life for me to get really skinny for what my definition is in my body of skinny, because it's different for everyone, right? Like I have to cut major things out of my diet that bring me joy. And I'm not saying that like, Oh, I can't stop eating chocolate bars. It's like, you know, if I want to lose weight, I have to totally cut out grains. Like I can't eat pasta. I can't eat bread. I can't eat like all these things that I love so much. And it's just not the kind of life I want to live. I don't want to be the person who goes out to eat with my friends and is like, ooh, yeah, I can't eat that. I can't do that. I, I don't like the can'ts. I just really want to show up. And to me, food is the, the language that I use to express love. And I don't want to be cutting love out of my life. I want to make it as bountiful as possible. So, but that, you know, that's my personal philosophy. And I know that brings me joy. So I think, you know, ask yourself the question, what are the things that bring you happiness? And are you cutting them out of your life? And if the answer is yes, like, stop it, you know, find a way to bring that happiness back in. And then as much as possible, rewire your brain to realize like, you're really freaking good where you are right now. And you're not going to be happier when you've lost X amount of pounds, like be here now, this is good. This is good. Yeah. And let me tell you, my life is so much happier with bread in it. Like I'm, I am <laughs> infinitely happier. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and I think that's good for everybody else in my life too. So bring on the bread. <laughs> that's how I feel. So I know that food is becoming like a bigger part of your career shift and your passions. You know, are, I'm curious, like, are you, are you working on a cookbook? Are you sharing more recipes? Like, what does that mean for you? Yeah, that's such an interesting question because I I am trying to figure out, um, it goes back to the whole concept of, you know, when they say like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, which I mean, that's another, that's BS, but still, um, I, I do wonder about this whole idea of is everything, you know, if you're passionate about something, should it be sacred? Should it be something that you hold close to yourself or do you take that and find a way to translate it into work, you know? And so I'm kind of in this phase right now where I love creating recipes. I love cooking. And I was thinking about trying to open a restaurant here in Charleston, but then all my friends in food and Bev are like, don't do it. You're going to hate yourself. It's going to be miserable. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like this is the quickest way to kill your love. So I'm just trying to figure out how can I maintain the deep, deep, deep seated love that I have for food and the culture around it and find a way to incorporate that into my work without squashing my passion. And yes, you can definitely expect a cookbook out of me at some point. I'm kind of formulating what I want that format to look like. And I I have a few ideas that could be translated into a show format that might be around food. But I'm not positive yet because I want to protect this because it is so precious and important to me. But in the meantime, I'll continue to put, you know, recipes up on my blog. I'm always posting stuff I'm cooking on my Instagram page and giving people very, very bare bones ways of cooking it so they can have inspiration. But I don't know. It's my baby. So probably not a restaurant here. I thought I was going to do that. Probably not. But who knows? Maybe a year later, I'll be like, hey, you guys, I have my own store. Come on in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, hard to say. I have been there with pretty much every single one of my hobbies. So yeah. <laughs> as soon as I like discovered that I could turn a hobby into a job, I was like, oh, my goodness, here mm-hmm. we go. And it's become like this a real challenge for me to 
you know, keep things sacred and to be like, you know what, just because this is something that I love and I want to, you know, share more of doesn't mean that I have to like turn this into a job. And, And it's happened to me so many times. So I'm like, I'm really learning to hold some things sacred and to A, like not have to like monetize everything that I do, but also like not have to share everything that I do. Yeah. And I think when you're an entrepreneur or you're in the creative field, that's really challenging for us because that's how we make a career for ourselves. We do base jobs off of our passion. That's how we become successful. But then what, I mean, you got to pocket some for yourself. There's just got to be something special and sacred that has nothing to do with sharing, like you said, or monetizing. That's just, it's yours and the world doesn't need to know about it. You know, it's yours. And I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes, but I'm excited <laughs> nevertheless. So I do want to talk about Kate. I know your life has changed a lot in the last couple of years since meeting your wife, Kate. You know, can I ask how you guys met? Yeah, we, uh, I used to be sponsored by Under Armour and they sent me to one of the ESPN W summits and Kate works for ESPN. So we we met at one of those summits. She was speaking. I was teaching. She took my class. I listened to her panels. And um, she was just, she's a very, probably the smartest human I've ever met. And a phenomenal um, interviewer. And I was just really taken by her intelligence. And she has the rare talent of truly listening to people. And it was really fantastic to witness someone moderating a panel and not just running down the list of questions, but actually listening to everything that was coming out of the other person's mouth and taking notes and adjusting and carving this truly fascinating conversation because she was present. And you just don't see that talent very much anymore. And she's freaking job dead gorgeous too. There's that, but um, yeah, she was just, I was really amazed by that talent. I hadn't seen that in someone in a long time. She's also an incredibly talented writer. I read Very. What Made Maddie Run <laughs> this year and it was incredible and spoke to me like so deeply. So if, you know, if you guys don't follow Kate, like I highly encourage you to check Kate Fagan. I'm pronouncing that right, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. Fagan. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely check her out because she is incredible. And like seeing you two together, I'm just like, oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> and I'm just so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, she's the best. It was very unexpected. And, you know, it just goes to show that you might think you have your life all paved out. And sometimes you have to completely annihilate it and uh, start over and you will be much happier. But there's a lot of destructive things that need to happen first to regroup and build a new foundation. Absolutely. So I know you guys run a podcast together. Can you share a little bit more about like what the podcast is about and, and what inspired you to start it? That's a very good question. Uh, it, the, the podcast is called Free Cookies and we started it out with ESPNW. So they really wanted it to be sports and wellness. And we, it wasn't straight up sports and wellness. It was really Kate talking about sports and then me trying to come up with comedic quirks to kind of come back at her with. And then, you know, it would be something like, you know, this is happening in football and it would lead into the conversation of like, when's the last time you really took a chance, you know? So we would take something current event and then lead it into more of an interesting open-ended conversation. And we try, we bring on an array of guests. It's not just sports people. It's not just health people. Um, and we're either trying to just like really have a nice, like levity, bright, funny conversation, but we're also not unafraid to, to kind of tackle all those topics that are humming right below the surface that people aren't really talking about. And season two, we left ESPN and we produce it ourselves now. And it's been a little more open-ended. It's, it's not a sports and wellness podcast anymore, although we will talk about that from time to time. It's just it's playful banter and interesting conversations. And we've been really lucky. We have phenomenal guests and it's not unusual that we won't have guests. And if there's a topic that's really buzzing in our heads that we want to tackle and something that we tackled several times and this was like gender and sexuality and and how it's perceived and just a lot of things that I wish people would talk more openly about on a regular basis. 
So, and we, we're on a hiatus right now. We're putting together ideas for season three, which we're not positive when we're coming back because we have some other things cooking that we can't talk about yet. I hate it when people do that, but I'm going to be that person. Um, but we have some pretty cool stuff on the burner right now. And as soon as it starts to take form, we will start talking about it to people. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to season three and to also what's coming up next. But I do know you just launched a yoga line, which is pretty cool. So can you share a little bit more about that? Because I'm super excited <laughs> about that. Yeah, I, I'm a major fashion junkie. I always have been. And uh, I have a friend. Her name's Kira. She has this amazing yoga line called Kira Grace. And we joined forces and she let me design a capsule for her. So uh, it's part of us releasing mid-December. The rest of it's coming out in January. And I just really wanted to design a collection that was truly versatile. And so all the pieces are meant to be like something you can throw on with cute sneakers and a jacket and walk your dog. You can go to your yoga class and it will perform. It's fully functioning. I've been sensitive even to the styles of the shirts. I don't like to feel like I'm sausaged into a yoga top. I personally really hate that. So I, I tried to design things that were narrow enough that it gives you a nice silhouette, but it's long enough that it'll cover your butt if you want your butt covered. Or you can tie it if you want it to be cropped or you want it to sit on your hips. So there's just an array of like, how do I feel in my body today? Do I want something baggy? Do I want something fitted? Do I want to crop it? You know, just like for what it's like for a human where sometimes you feel really good in your body on the yoga mat and sometimes you want a little extra fabric because it just makes you feel more comfortable and and safe. So it's that in mind. And then legit, and I know because I've done this, most of the pieces are meant to be like if you throw on a pair of boots or heels and a cool like leather jacket and a piece of jewelry, it looks really good going out because my life often I'm gone all day long. And as much as I love like a fuchsia pattern pair of leggings and they look really cute when I'm on the mat, it's very difficult to put on a jacket and a pair of shoes and then go run my errands and life for the rest of the day without being like, Oh, you've got on yoga pants. You know, I, I, I wanted something that actually looks chic and I could go live the rest of my life and people would be like, damn, that's a hot outfit. And they don't think, Ooh, she just got out of yoga class. So that was really the impetus behind it. And as I complained about earlier, my boobs have been really massive lately and it's very difficult to find a sports bra that encompasses larger breasts and is still sexy and comfortable, but like pretty and not something that just feels like this high tech must strap these things down kind of bra. So we've been working really, really hard on developing a beautiful bra that is meant to keep you comfortable if you live in the larger cup size realm. That being said, my wife is an A cup and she's worn the sports bra and loves it as well. So it's not just for bigger boobs, but I I wanted to provide for that community as well. Well, you've basically just created a line of clothing for me because my life <laughs> my life is all about what can I wear that I can both go to yoga, walk my dog, and then also be seen in public doing whatever I want and never have to change. So good. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So That's thank you plan. for that. I'm very, very excited for it. And I will be putting in my order. So stay tuned. So I do want to hit the hot seat questions. And these are the questions that I ask to every guest who comes on the show. So if you're ready, let's jump in. All right. Okay. So the first question is, what's the one health habit you can't live without? Big glass of water with, I have these little mineral drops that I put in my water every morning and I have to start my day that way. It has rose essence and trace minerals and big, big cup of room temp. Mm. That's very important. All right. What is the, like, is it a company or do you create it yourself? No, no. Um, (laughs) um, I buy it from Saqqara. I think they're called beauty drops. And I use their beauty drops in the morning and then they have detox drops that I travel with and that's full of chlorophyll and it's really great when I'm on planes. So that's kind of, those are my two little health droplet bottles that I always have with me. Awesome. I need anything that will encourage me to drink water and not coffee. So that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. Um, So the second question is, is there a business or a business person who you look up to or admire? Oh, gosh. Yeah, actually, there's this amazing woman. Her name is Allison Roman. She used to be a contributor at Bon Appetit magazine, and she now has her own food column for the New York Times. And it's crazy. She's younger than me. It's always so weird when I'm inspired by people younger than me. But she's just 
has this really specific voice. It's so strong. Her recipes are remarkable and she's just so clearly herself. And I appreciate that. And I find that she's making beautiful, thoughtful food, really accessible to the public. And I find her deeply inspiring. Her cookbook is amazing. I have dining in and it's so good. It's like, it's food that you really want to eat. That's accessible. Yeah. She's very talented and I can't wait to see her create more. Yay. Um, so the next question is, what advice would you have for your 20-year-old self? <laughs> that your life is going to get better and bigger. And I know it seems like everything needs to happen right now, but it's okay to fuck up as much as you need to. You're never going to lose an opportunity. There will always be something else around the corner. Oh, so good. And the last question is, what advice do you hope to get from your older self? Like, what have you, you haven't figured it out yet, but you hope she'll tell you you got this figured out. Oh, gosh. Um, I I hope my older version of myself tells me to enjoy my life more and to, to think less and show up and be present and take advantage of every single conversation and word spoken because it's all so precious. Totally. Well, if people want to continue following your journey and just, you know, learn more about you, where can they do that? Um, my website is Catherine Budig, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-B-U-D-I-G.com. Uh, that has my travel schedule. So if anyone ever wants to practice with me, they can hit the road with me there. Uh, my online home is yogaglow.com, G-L-O. And I have have teacher training courses and regular classes and programs and all sorts of good stuff. I actually have cooking classes on Yoga Glow as well. And then, you know, social media, like everybody else, is just at Catherine Budig is my handle on Instagram. I don't really tweet that much. I'm a very boring tweeter. And Facebook is slowly gathering dust. So if you want to hang out, it's probably going to be on Instagram. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> so are you coming to San Francisco anytime soon? Uh, You know, actually, I am visiting friends in the Bay Area in January, and I haven't booked anything, but that's not to say that I won't, or I might be very busy eating all the amazing food that you have (laughs) and hanging out with my friends, so we'll see. All right, well, we'll chat, we'll chat. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on the show today and for sharing your journey. I am so honored, like truly, I am so honored to be chatting with you today, and thank you so much for inspiring me over the years and continuing to inspire me with just how much you're evolving and and being okay with that because I that's something that I've struggled with so I really appreciate this conversation that means a lot to me thank you so much huge thank you to Catherine for coming on the show today I was so inspired by today's episode I deeply admire Catherine she is someone who I've always looked up to in the yoga space and beyond the yoga space just as somebody who really does live by their values even though even as those values shift and change, and and that's okay. So if you guys enjoyed this episode and want to chat more about it, the THM Tribe is a great place to do that. It's an awesome place to connect with other people who are interested in conversations around health and spirituality and just taking care of yourself. And so if you want to join, it's just facebook.com slash group slash THM Tribe. And thank you for everyone who left a review on iTunes to support the show. It was such an awesome holiday gift to wake up to and see some comments from you guys. So if you would like to do that, I would so, so appreciate it. You can actually do it on your phone. It's super easy. If you're in the iTunes app, just scroll down. You can leave a star rating and a little comment there, and it means the world. It means we're able to bring awesome guests on the show. And we've got a couple guests lined up for 2019 that I'm super excited about, but we've got a lot of guests that we're pitching that we really want to see here on the show and those reviews totally help us out so I would so appreciate if you could do that I usually like to add a few notes here about upcoming things but right now it's a little unpredictable I don't totally know what's coming up other than as I announced in the last couple of episodes of 2018 we are coming out with a boot camp for camp wellness so stay tuned for that I will include a link in the show notes so that you can sign up for the newsletter so that you know when that comes out it's really exciting we've been working on it I took a couple weeks off but you know we're putting the finishing touches on it now and I'm so excited to share it with you guys but otherwise Things are, you know, we're just, we're easing into it. I am learning to embrace this change and feeling pretty good about it. And coming up next week on the show, we have Jericho Mandiber, who I've been so excited to chat with. We are going to be discussing all things spirituality and how that relates to health 
and how to embrace spirituality in the 21st century because it's obviously evolved beyond just what we understand religion to be. And it's something that I'm experiencing. So if you're out there and you're experiencing kind of an explosion in spirituality but don't really fit within any kind of religious understanding of it, I think you'll really appreciate this episode. And we also chat about a lot of other awesome stuff. I really like Jericho, so I'm excited to share this episode with you. So I hope you all have a wonderful week and an awesome start to 2019. I am so excited to continue to do this podcast. I feel so privileged to be able to connect with you and with the guests who come on the show. And this really is one of my favorite things that I get to work on. So actually, it's probably my favorite thing that I get to work on. So very, very excited for this year and very grateful and thankful for all of you. So I hope you have a wonderful week and I will chat with you next week. Have a good one. Bye.